Uh, it seems that Sheldon maybe complicates the issue, do you think? Yes, it seems that way. You know, someone once said to, the way to have good friends is to, to be a good friend. So what sort of friend are you? Today's topic of friendship is that uh, it's such a nice topic to talk about, don't you think? It's, sort of, it's almost like we should get our morning tea and sit in a circle together and light a fire. Um, you know, it's that sort of, it's a really nice topic and I'm, I've been looking forward to speaking on this actually for, for a while. Friends are a wonderful gift from God. Uh, and as we'll see in a moment, we need friends. But we also need wisdom when it comes to friends. And thankfully, uh, God's word on, in Proverbs has much to say about friendships. Here's what uh, Vaughan Roberts, now I'm going to quote this little book here later on in the sermon. But here's what he wrote about friendship. Uh, Vaughan Roberts is a pastor from the UK. He says, life is presented in Proverbs as a journey in which we are constantly faced with a choice between two paths, wisdom and folly. We need good friends who will travel with us, help us discern the right road and spur us on to, to keep walking down it. It's a good quote, I think, worth remembering. Um, so here's the plan for today. Uh, you can see it in your outline there. I'm going to have that open in front of you. Um, we need friends. We'll mention that again and speak a bit more about that. And then we'll see that friends influence us. And then we'll look at the qualities of friends, and then as we've just sung about, we're going to talk about the friend that we have in Jesus. So first, on your outline there, we need friends. Now, if you were alive in the 1990s, uh, which I think is most of us, in fact, look in the room, yes, that's all of us. Um, oh, not, not quite, actually, there's little kitties at the back. Um, you, you, probably, you probably watched or at least heard of, remember the US... Uh, sitcom Friends, there you go. Some people still love it. It's actually doing the rounds. If you're a Fox, you know, if you're a cable TV subscriber, um, you can watch endless reruns of Friends and you can drive yourself nuts uh, if you like that. Now, so just think about that, the, the show. If you, you, I'm hoping everyone's heard of this show. Right? It's a very well-known show. If you haven't, just bear with me. Um, in your head, for a moment, just in your head, and if you're really passionate, you can do this out loud, but that might be embarrassing. I want you to hum the tune. Remember the tune? There it is. Linda's got it. Dun, 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 I don't know who wrote the song. Now, you remember the chorus? How's the chorus go? I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you. That's how it goes. Uh, I'll, <clears throat> I'll be there for you. The show was immensely popular. The show struck a chord uh, with that generation and still with... Our generations today. We as humans want friends and it'd be pretty cool to have friends like them, at least back in the 90s. Uh, we're, we're, we're designed to have friends. As the wise teacher in Ecclesiastes 4 wrote, the, the reading that Jim read out to us, two are better than one. We're designed that way. We're made that way. At creation, uh, Adam and Eve, uh, Adam was given a helper, a partner, a friend in Eve. We're not made to be alone. Now, marriage is not uh, simply friendship, though. We don't want to confuse the two. Their purposes are different. Marriage is public. It's exclusive. It's sexual between a man and a woman. It's covenantal. That's what marriage is. And two, if you think marriage will fulfil your friendship needs, uh, think Jerry Maguire. Remember that movie right at the end of Jerry Maguire, You Complete Me? You're wrong. 
Marriage won't do that. It's not designed for that. It won't and it can't. We need friends. Uh, It's an unrealistic expectation placed on marriage. The message of Proverbs is that we need friends and friends that stand with us uh, shoulder to shoulder. It's a line that C.S. Lewis uh, spoke about, wrote about, shoulder to shoulder, walking alongside. Rather than in marriage, we're really face to face, if you want to use that um, analogy. It's interesting, though, um, what one of the key characters in, in Friends, uh, I'll go back a slide, actually, let's see if that works for us. David Schwimmer, he's the guy on the left. I don't know what his real name was. What's his? Ross. Okay, he was Ross in the show. There we go. Nice work, Chelsea. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, this is what David Schwimmer said, though. Uh, he's quoted as saying about the TV show, he said it's a fantasy. The show is a fantasy, and it's a fantasy for, he says, it's a fantasy for a lot of people having a group of friends who become like family, and that's what the show's about. You see, the truth is that many people don't have what we watched on TV in the 90s. Uh, Many people are lonely, and for many people, friends, what David Schwimmer says, it's right, many people, friends, is a fantasy. A recent Lifeline survey in Australia found that 60% of those surveyed said that they often felt lonely. 60. And that 82% felt that loneliness was on the rise in Australia. And and listen to this. Only 1.27% of those surveyed thought that loneliness was decreasing. Pretty incredible statistics, aren't they? Uh, I was just reading the paper this morning um, with my coffee and Weebix, and uh, I came across an article on, on loneliness, and actually it quoted the same survey that I, I found during the week. But it also said a couple of other interesting things, and I'll refer to it. I just got a chance to print it out. Um, a Relationships Australia survey this year, 2017, study found that more than a third of Australians felt like they often lacked companionship and almost half said they sometimes felt left out. They're not easy statistics to swallow, are they? But I think they're real, and I think many in this room probably feel it. In fact, it's probably all a bit too familiar for you right now. Uh, Loneliness. You see, I think the message of Proverbs, as we'll see as we go through this morning, is that we need to invest in friendship. We need to invest in it. We need one another. And in fact, it's folly. It's, it's foolishness, especially as Christian people, uh, to, to live the Christian life alone. And friends, it's simply unloving to leave the, the lonely alone. We have a responsibility as a church, God's church, to love the lonely, to be inclusive. It's the great power of Christian fellowship. Uh, We could even, you know, use the phrase that the Marines use, you know, we never leave anyone behind. It's a challenge, isn't it? It sure is. Okay, so we need friends. We need friends. It's a human need. God's made us that way. But we also know that friends influence us. Now, there's countless examples of this. Say, um, let's, let's choose fashion for a minute. 
All right, friends influencing us with fashion. So we're on the 90s theme. Let's go back to the 90s. Okay, I'm sorry if this brings up painful memories and you really don't want the preacher to talk about your hairstyles in the 90s. But let's go back to friends for a minute. Now, the women will be with me on this one. The men will be going, what are you talking about? Stay with me, men, all right? Um, See, back in the 90s, when Friends was a popular show, there was a particular hairstyle that many women um, uh, imitated. And, of course, it was named after the key character that Jennifer Aniston plays. What's the hairstyle called? The Rachel. The Rachel, thank you. Um, Now, the Rachel, I can't describe the Rachel, um, but... (laughs) Many, many women had it. So if, if in a friendship group, this was my experience for sure, with my friendship group, or not with the guys, of course, uh, they all wanted to be like, um, I can't remember the name, what's, what's the cool guy? Joey, that'll do. Yeah, they all wanted to be like Joey. Um, you know, I'll stop there, I'll keep, keep going. Okay, so th- these, these friends of mine, so if, if Liz had the Rachel, well then Susan had to have the Rachel too because Liz had the Rachel and then, then Helen needed to have the Rachel. And before you know it, what you've got is this little clump of Rachels, or like an under-sixes under sixes soccer team. So they all go around like this, and there's this clump of Rachels, um, and they're all looking the same. Now, we laugh, but we've all, we've all done that sort of thing. That's how fashion works. You want to look like your friends. If your friends are looking cool, you want to look cool too. You want to have the Rachel. But the friends influence us, and notice how I didn't ask any of you ladies if you had the Rachel. I'm not going to do that to you. Um, but notice, friends also influence behaviour, don't they? So I did it because everyone else was doing it. Uh, well, everyone else has got one, so why can't I? And we think, oh, that's what my kids say. Well, it's not just kids who say that, is it? We say it too as adults. The truth is, who we spend time with makes us who we are. That's the truth. Who we spend time with makes us who we are. I am who I am because of everyone I'm with. Let's jump over to Proverbs now. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. 13, verse 20. I'm going to look them up too, give you a bit of time. I'm hoping you're following with me. There's a bit of flicking, not as as much as it was a couple of weeks ago, but a little bit. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Excuse me. In other words, we become like the people we spend time with. Sort of saying, isn't it? Companion of fools suffers harm. What about uh, over to chapter 22? Flip over to 22, verse 24. 22, verse 24, towards the end of the chapter there. 22, verse 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. It's great language, isn't it? And it's true. It's a trap. We can, it's, it's like a trap, ensnared in his ways. It's not a bad dose of realism, is it, when you think about this? That we are influenced by those we spend time with. So if you hang around people who love money, well, love material things, then you too will become like them. If you hang around people who are anxiously obsessed with what they look like, exterior things, well then, you too will become like them. 
you hang around people who worship family above all else, and that is your priority, that dictates everything you do, if that's, that's you, well, it's going to be hard for you to not be like that. But if you hang out with people who love Jesus, well, the logic is the same. Do I need to answer it? No. no. We'll love Jesus more as well. Now, we can't always choose whom we spend time with, can we? So workmates and work colleagues are a classic example. If you're incredibly fortunate enough uh, to have workmates who are followers of Jesus, then can I encourage you to be intentional about those relationships? What a blessing that is. Uh, Don't waste them, whatever you do. Encourage each other on how you can serve in your local churches when you meet up on Monday morning or whatever it might be. Uh, Pray with each other. Stand firm with each other at, at work. Stand firm for Jesus. But if your workplaces are like most, uh, and there's a whole mix of different people, then let's not be naive. Uh, be careful of an ungodly influence and choose to stand out as a follower of Jesus rather than blending in. We, we ought to pause and we ought to ask ourselves a little bit of a difficult question, I think. Who are the people that most influence me? Ask that to yourself. Who are the people who most influence me? Are they making me wise or foolish? Are they making me a better version of me, more like Jesus, more kind, more compassionate, patient, selfless, humble, Who are the people that most influence me? Uh, Matt Fuller, he's an English pastor and author. He's a guy actually we invited over to Dubai a few years back when we were over there. And um, I actually met him for lunch when we were in London, which was pretty cool. He's a great guy and a great uh, author. If you remember that name, Matt Fuller, buy his books. They're really, really good. He tells this story uh, of a, a Christian wedding that he attended. He's the minister and uh, does a lot of weddings and so forth like ministers do. And, uh, and when you go to a lot of weddings, you hear a lot of speeches and some are really good and some, well, are not so good. That's how it sort of works, doesn't it? Uh, he, um, he tells a story of, of a speech this best man gave at a particular wedding. And it was memorable for all the right reasons. The best man, as you do, he told a few jokes and stories and so on. And then he spent some time uh, thanking the groom, his, his good buddy, thanking the groom for the years of friendship they'd shared. And then he looked the groom in the eye and he said to him, thank you for making me a better man. Thank you for making me a better man. Uh, Wonderful, isn't it? So uh, that's, that's friendship. That's friendship. That's the friendship we'll read in Proverbs as well and, and, and throughout the Bible. See, I love how there's a healthy intimacy. That's good. It's a healthy intimacy between friends. A bit of emotion there. Can't help but feel it, can you? Even though we weren't there. Support. And clearly there's intention in the relationship. That's really important. There's intention to make each other better men. I love that. Now, I don't think it's possible to have many of those types of relationships 
friendships that last for decades, you know, those types of friendships. I think, um, uh, in fact, I think most people could only manage, I don't know, two, three of those types of relationships, four in your lifetime. And I'm only really guessing. Um, I guess it depends on how well you keep in touch with people, what sort of, you know, if you're really good at keeping in touch and keeping friendships going. Um, so the figure's a little bit arbitrary in that way. But, but having said that, we, we ought to be careful then also not, not to shut the door on new friendships. It's not as if we reach our quota of new friendships and then that's it. Oh, I can't do any more, that's it. And now maybe we're a bit lazy with that. That could be a reason why we might do that and sort of, I'm not, gonna, I'm not interested in any more friends. Um, but maybe in rejecting new friendships, the danger is we, we could come across as, um, as unfriendly and, and also a little bit unwelcoming, couldn't we? New friends, by the way, doesn't mean Facebook friends. That doesn't mean that at all. Uh, I love this little quote I read somewhere. I can't remember who it was now. Um, I, I put it in our news this week. Get out of cyberspace and talk face-to-face. That's <laughs> real friendships. I hate Facebook. I hate it. I'm, I'm, I'm caught on it now. Um, I wish I could get off it, but we use it too much for church. Um, <laughs> that's okay, though. I don't mind. There you go. Uh, Facebook friends, um, you know, they're the sort of friends that we haven't seen in 10 to 20 years and, and we know it's their birthday because Facebook told us it's their birthday. It's not really friendship, is it? Actually, some interesting stats came up in this article too about loneliness and, and technology. Um, it's a bit of a tangent, but bear with me. Uh, the, the quote here, while Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat and other social media sites connect us, they are actually driving us into a state of loneliness, according to research from the University of Pittsburgh. Interesting, isn't it? And uh, this other little quote here from one of those studies. Uh, For a society that is more technologically connected than we have ever been, these results suggest we're overlooking good old-fashioned care and compassion when it comes to our mental health and well-being. We're thinking about, isn't it, a bit of a challenge there on those of us who who do use Facebook. Okay, well, let's let's get off that for a minute and keep going. so we need friends, that's what we've been saying so far, and we, and we know that friends influence us, which means not only do we choose our friends wisely, but we need to be the type of friend that influences for good, makes me a better man, that sort of friend. So we're on point three in our outline, they're the qualities of friends. Uh, Derek Kidner, he, he, he wrote a little commentary on Proverbs and he uh, spells out four qualities of friends from Proverbs. They all start with C except one. I don't know why he couldn't get four. I'm disappointed by that. Um, anyway, uh, first of all is constancy. A, few, a bit of old-fashioned words. Uh, constancy. In other words, uh, what does constancy mean? Constant. Uh, faithfulness. Loyalty. It's the sense of I've got your back. That's what makes a good friend. Constancy. So let's go to Proverbs 20, verse 6. Proverbs 20, verse 6. 20, verse 6. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. I love Proverbs 18, verse 24. So flick back a couple pages. 18, well, it's on the same page for me. 18, verse 24. A man of many companions comes, may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's a great proverb, isn't it? 
Fair weather friends, where friendship is seen as disposable and only to suit my needs. Well, that, that's the way of the fool in Proverbs. Instead, the way of the wise is committed to the friendship, uh, is constant. Now, at times, that's going to take some work, isn't it? Uh, phone calls, visits, time together, a face-to-face, not cyberspace. My, um, my good friend Jeff, who, um, who's preached here a couple of times, uh, he ran our marriage course early in the year. Uh, he's, um, he and I have lived in separate states. We're, we're good friends. We're both best men at our, our, our weddings. Uh, he, uh, yes, lived in separate states, separate countries, and, and for many of our years of our friendship, which has been going for us since we were in high school. I must admit, I think he's a fair bit better than me at this. It's a bit embarrassing that he tends to be the one who calls. He tends to be the one who emails and I respond. I'm a bit sad by that and I've got to get myself into gear. But anyway, but I know he values our friendship because of those things. I know that he's constant. I know he's committed to it. He's faithful and he's, as I said, constant because he calls. He, he visits. He makes the effort. He values the friendship. So constancy, um, a second quality of a good friend, as seen in Proverbs, is candour. So, Proverbs 27, so flip over a few more pages. 27 verses 5 and 6. 27 verse 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I remember when I was in, uh, in Bible college, so this is like 2001 or something like that. Uh, no, no, yeah, about right. Um, I had a good friend, uh, still is a good friend. I don't see him as much as I'd like to. He's also a minister up in Sydney. His name's James. Uh, we'd, we'd also gone back a long way. We went probably, again, we went to high school together and uh, did a bit of teaching, teachers' university, teachers' college together. He, um, he pulled me aside after one lecture it's a bit embarrassing to tell the story, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, and and uh, to be honest, I can't remember his exact words as he pulled me aside, but I know he was loving and I know he was very gentle and he was careful with his words. And he said to me, among other things, but he said to me, Graham, you're not sincere. You're not showing your love for people. Oh, I heard a bit. <laughs> That, that, yes, Ooh, cut me deep. Um, you're not sincere. Ouch, that hurt. I've actually never forgotten it, and now I thank James for it. I thank James for it. So I wasn't really loving people. Uh, I might have said it, I might have said the right things, but love without action, well, that's, that's not really loving, is it? I needed to love with my actions, and that's why James said I wasn't sincere, and he was right. I wasn't. See, candour is about truthfulness, it's about honesty, uh, it's about openness as well. That's what candour is, a quality of a good friend. Now, candour is not something that's self-appointed. Don't miss that. It's not something that's self-appointed. It comes with relationship. It's best between friends. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Okay, what about third? Third, counsel. Counsel. Well, good friends give good counsel. Their advice shapes you, encourages you, reassures you, 
spurs you on. It builds you up according to their needs, to quote Ephesians 4. So good friends tell you what you need to hear. So uh, probably the same page, 27 verse 9. Proverbs 27 verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Perfume and incense bring, bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. A good friend's advice is like sweet-smelling perfume. I think that's a great little picture. Sweet-smelling perfume. A more well-known one, maybe, is Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person, one man sharpens another. What type of friend do you want to be? That's the question here, isn't it? Uh, how do we sharpen one another? Remember the story in 1 Samuel? Uh, it's the story of, well, a lot of stories in 1 Samuel, clearly. But two key, char- two key characters are, of course, Jonathan, that's Saul's son, King Saul's son, Jonathan and David. They had a wonderful friendship. They are great mates, we might say. They, there's a level of healthy intimacy. There was intention in their relationship. It talks about the fun as well. They had each other's back. In 1 Samuel 23, we read the story of that Saul, King Saul, was hunting David down. Hunting David, and David knew of this as well. And, and he, well, he, he, was, he was running from him. And at one point, David is hiding out in uh, Horish, out in the desert caves. So you can sort of picture the scene, can't you? In the middle of the desert, hiding out there. And no doubt he's threatened and he doesn't feel safe at all. This man and his army, the king, the king of Israel, is chasing after this little shepherd boy. He, he felt threatened. He felt his life was, was, was in danger. There's no way out against Saul and, and, and his army. I want to read 1 Samuel 23, verse 15. And uh, listen, listen carefully. While David was at Horish, in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take it, that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Sweet smelling perfume. Jonathan helped him find strength in God. That's what we ought to want from our friends. And that's the type of friend we ought to be. See, it's intentional, spiritual as well. That's what makes a good friend. Jonathan gives the best counsel that we can ever give as a friend to help your friend find strength in God. Well, finally, uh, the good friend has tact. Uh, So good friends choose their moment, don't they? So they... um, you know, they respect one another's feelings. They're sensitive to the situation. They not only have the right words, but they've got the right time as well. So they say the right thing at the right time. Uh, go over to Proverbs 27, verse 14. I love it how Proverbs is funny sometimes. I think this is funny anyway. Proverbs 27, verse 14. If a man loudly blesses his neighbour early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. 
It's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> um, it reminds me of the, there was a when we lived at Shoalhaven Heads, there was a guy who um, who played his bagpipes, bagpipes, yes, bagpipes early in the morning, and he thought it was cool because you know it's Scottish and it sounds really it's everyone wakes up. Yes, you're right. We all wake up. It was a curse. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, good friend has tact. A good friend has tact. So a good good friend, as you can see there, has constancy, candor, counsel, and tact. Well, friendships are precious. We need to invest in them. But it's not what is most precious. What's most precious, as we sung about earlier, is the friendship that we have in Jesus, who showed us what true uh, friendship is like. How did he do that? By laying down his life for his friends so that we can become one of his friends. That's what we read in John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down their life, one's life for one's friends. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. I want to close um, by reading a little section of this little book. Plug this book. Go and buy it. Do yourself a favour. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, True Friendship by Vaughan Roberts. I'm going to keep it up here if you want to come and look at it later on. It is. It's my type of book because it's less than 100 pages. How good's that? And, and pretty big, big font too. Happy days. I think there's some diagrams as well. Anyway, pictures and stuff. Um, let me read you this last little section. It's only short, but it's a good way to finish. The story is told... <clears throat> Uh, the heading is, sorry, the most precious thing this life affords. The story is told of Shah Abbas of Persia, who was frustrated at his inability to make friends. Whenever he met people, they would bow down to him in respect and fear. So he found it impossible to develop real intimacy with anyone. He therefore decided to take off his royal robes and go to the servants' quarters in disguise to see who he could meet. Right at the bottom of the, pla- the palace... He found the stoker, who kept the fire burning, which heated the building. They chatted and got on so well that Abbas continued to go down, go to him over the many weeks, and they became they became very close. After a while, he thought it was time to reveal his true identity. I am Abbas, your Shah, he said, and you are my friend. So I want to give you anything you ask for, up to half my kingdom. The stoker replied. You have already given me the most precious thing this life affords, your friendship. I ask for nothing more. He goes on. We can rejoice in the parallel story of the amazing love of Christ who left all the glory of heaven to become a servant who was even willing to die for us on the cross. He could not have gone lower than that and he did it that we might become his friends. If we know him, we already have the most precious thing this life affords. In him we receive complete forgiveness, absolute security, as much-loved children of God, and the certain hope of being with him forever. We will still experience many difficulties in this broken world, but we face them with the most faithful friend imaginable. The assurance and peace that come from knowing him enable us to reach out to others, not looking above all to take but to give sacrificially as he is given to us. He is the perfect friend who enables us to be true friends ourselves. It's good, isn't it? Let me close in prayer 
And I'll give you a moment to, to think. If you want to make a comment or two, uh, ask a question, um, that'll be great. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you that we have a friend in Jesus who is, our, is our, a perfect friend. We thank you that in Jesus we know, Lord that God, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. Lord, we ask that we would be friends like Jesus in love and sacrifice. Uh, Lord, we, pray, we ask for wisdom. Help us to avoid folly, avoid foolishness, and help us to be good friends. We pray too for those of us today who, who are lonely. Lord, may we as a church look after such people. Not be selfish, but to be selfless and humble like Jesus is to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.